welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest, Morgana Ray. She is an international best-selling author, speaker, and has been a seven-figure mentor coach for 27 years. A favorite guest on television, radio, and print, Morgana has guided tens of thousands of entrepreneurs, just like you who are listening today, innovators, healers, and humanitarians to heal the rift between heart, spirit, and money to save the world as only they can. She is the president of Charmed Life Coaching, Inc., and last but not least, the winner of We Magazine's Top Women in Commerce Award. Morgana, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled and honored to have you. Um, you have such a, an amazing background. Um, just there's this positive energy that just pours out of you, even when I was kind of researching you ahead of time. And it's obvious it's happening in real time, too. So everybody who's watching on YouTube, I hope you guys feel the same. Um, <clears throat> before we get into uh, what you do right now and, and what you're doing you know, in the future as you move ahead, Maybe you could unpack a little bit more about your background for us. Um, where did you get your entrepreneurial background? Where did it come from? Did you grow up in a family of entrepreneurs or does it just come to you? Uh, it came to me, I think, primarily because I don't make a great employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, we, we all need to express our creativity and when you're working for somebody else and you see things that aren't working, you can't really do as much about it as you would like. I've been very surprised because I'm, I'm risk averse. So I never really set out to be fully responsible for my business and income and all that kind of stuff. But I found that I love it. I love the ease and, and speed with which I can pivot when one thing, I believe that, you know, today's golden goose, the thing that works today may lay an egg tomorrow because the market just changes. And I love being the decision maker. So that's how I ended up. I was, uh, honestly, I live in Los Angeles. I actually grew up in Los Angeles, came back, became an actress because there's like a written contract that we all have to be actors at some point. Yeah. And, and I was going through my millionth dark night of the soul as a struggling actor when I stumbled upon a coaching program for entertainment people. I took their program, became a coach for them. And as I started booking more and more work, I discovered... I was becoming less and less happy as an actor, but I was so happy helping other people. And I was getting these newbie actors, writers, directors, and giving them guidance and making connections. And they were getting primetime series and selling their films. And and I loved the relationship and the success stories. And I thought, I wonder if I could make money at this. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of how I ended up on this path was, yes, I can. However, I didn't write away. And that's sort of how I ended up in this money niche because you can do everything right on earth 
and not get the results you deserve. And I'm the person who comes in when you know your business and you know your value and you deliver it and you aren't getting the the financial security and freedom from anxiety that you should have. Yeah, sure. So it sounds like your passion comes from, I mean, it was your one of your, maybe your first experiences as an adult helping people. And it, it was a surprise and an epiphany from you. So me, me, with that, you know, your passion comes with what you do. What, what do you, what do you do regarding money? How do you, how do you, I mean, you don't have to go into the, exactly how you do it, but I generally. Well, I'll try to like help as much as I can in the little bit of time that we have together. But uh, again, you know, doing everything right and getting no, just not getting the results that I should have been getting. I had mountains of testimonials, my Ivy League education, like many of the people watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm actually really good at marketing and people have been hiring me to coach them on marketing since uh, 1994. Oh. So, and I was living in Los Angeles and at my low point, addicts talk about their bottom. This was my bottom was in 2003, I was making $100 a month living in Los Angeles, which is quite an accomplishment when you have celebrity clients and you're delivering results and you know what you're doing. And it was like I had superhuman powers of money repulsion. Mm. So what I love about what I do, well, first, I had to try everybody else's program, you know, the marketing, the sales, the inner work stuff. And I was doing all of it because I'm a good student and it still wasn't working, which is really painful. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I accidentally came into my own solution, which was to personify the relationship with money, which sounds really, really weird, but our relationship with money lives in us like a relationship with a person. And mine was like that, that bad boyfriend who would be cheating on me and telling me that I wasn't good enough. I just felt so beat up and rejected by money all the time. And I didn't see that I felt that way about money until I had this like epiphany moment with a coach and get this. I was, I was making a hundred dollars a month living in Los Angeles and I still had a coach and I have to say, thank goodness, because I had that weird life-changing moment where my coach said to me, Morgana, if your money was a person, who would your money be? And suddenly in my mind's eye, I saw this big, scary, dirty, violent biker who caused fights. Honestly. I had n- really, I, had, wow. I don't. And I don't have anything against bikers. It was an yeah. imaginary person. But I had no idea that I felt that way about money. It didn't mm-hmm. become, my unconscious didn't become visible to me until I personified it because that made it real. We can talk about limiting beliefs for the next 30 years and it's just idle chatter and very interesting, but it's abstract. When it became a person, that felt real. Yeah, and it my, became tangible for you. What did you do? It. Once it became the person, then is that when you were able to? I mean, from there, did it become a trend? A, a, a transition? Were you trying to transition that that being into something else? The guy felt so real because I was lucky enough to be in such a dark place before that coaching call in that moment. Which, by the way, the way the person 
who is in the most anxiety and despair has the biggest advantage because that is when you are ready for change that sticks. You're motivated. There's a lot of leverage. It's like a slingshot. I'm really not one of those law of attraction coaches where it's just like, pretend everything's okay when it's falling apart. Don't do that. So for me, he felt so real and so scary that I knew without a doubt, there was no way I could have money in my life if that, that was my money. So I had to break up with him in, by the way, I've coached you know, many thousands of people since now I encourage you to be a little more bloody with the breakup okay? so that it doesn't come back. Yeah. But at the time it was just like, be gone. And then I had a new problem. I live in Los Angeles and I just got rid of my relationship with money. And I know it's imaginary, but it's also real because Mm -hmm. it's our imagination, our inner beliefs, our subconscious that produces our attitudes and our actions and our results. So I had this problem. I just got rid of money and I needed money in my life. And if you've ever been in a really bad relationship, you know how gun shy you are. Like, oh, I don't want to get into that again. So it wasn't even that I wanted a relationship with money at all, but I knew I needed to have one. So I thought, well, who could I want in my life so much that I'd be willing to have that person even if it's money. Hmm. And this is really important because you're now creating a relationship based on loving the person instead of wanting to be rescued or wanting to use. So this is a very different flavor of relationship. And when I asked myself, who would I want? I was just on a roll that day. Cause I'm usually really, really bad at visualizing. <laughs> I'm, I'm the person in a guided visualization. If you say you're sitting by a river, I'll spend the next 45 minutes trying to decide which river, but that's another thing. But so, the biker came to you instantly. So that would, that had, is that why maybe you thought it was so powerful? Like that it really was so real because it's, you know, yourself and you, you struggle with the visualization. You have to have such a strong experience. That's a great question. Thank you. You have it has to be such a strong, like full body emotional experience, not an intellectual exercise. Mm-hmm. A lot of people love to talk about mindset. And if it works for you, do that. But when mindset isn't enough, when you're doing all of the mindset stuff and it's not and, and you're still not getting the shift you need, you need to go deeper. And there's a lot of neuroscience behind this, where you change a lifetime pattern, a lifetime behavior in an instant when you have a traumatic experience or a peak, great experience, immediately, you don't need 30 days to change change a habit. You just need an extreme experience in a moment. So I was having an extreme negative experience, which lit up all my neurology, which allowed my brain to be rewired very quickly. So we want your monster, this, this money monster to be that bad. And before you can have the monster, you want to like really build up everything that is wrong in life. And then you, you transition that into, well, if, if this was a person, who would this person be? And then you get rid of the person. I'm kind of walking you through the steps. And then when that 
all that bad stuff, the bad feeling, the bad guy, the bad relationship or woman, it, you can make it any gender you like. When it's gone and you feel it's like, whoa, it's not here. And that feels weird because it's been here my whole life. Mm -hmm. You have that emptiness, that vacuum. That's, that's when you replace it with something better. We never take anything away ever, ever, ever. I don't care if it's addiction or illness or abuse. We never take anything away without putting something better in its place. That's how change happens. So when I asked myself who I wanted, just like the monster was so real, the monster kind of paved the way for the opposite to be able to show up as easily. And so suddenly I saw this tall, dark, handsome, romantic, sweet guy dressed in a tuxedo holding a bouquet of red flowers. And he was money, but he was like this cute guy who was in love with me, which is weird because who thinks that way about money? I certainly didn't before then, but I had the sense that he had been there all these years and I had been unconsciously pushing him away because I was in a relationship with the scary biker dude who caused fights and chaos and danger traumas in my family stuff in the world that was the biker when he the biker's out of the way the bed becomes big enough for what I call the money honey <laughs> it feels like love yeah and this is, it gets more interesting because he felt so real that I could have a conversation with him. So I asked him what he needed from me so he could be with me with the exit, with the, because there was this notion that money wanted to be with me mm -hmm. and loved me and wanted to woo me, which by the way, is not anything I'd ever thought before in my life, especially given my life experiences. But when you ask a question, it is natural for the brain to put in an answer. And when you give voice to this other imaginary person who is in love with you, who sees all of your strengths and all of your worth and isn't frightened by circumstances, you're going to get really good information back. It's like a, a, a nice little shortcut to not just intuition, but the genius part of your brain, the frontal lobe, mm -hmm. it just, you feel relaxed, you feel safe, your creative problem solver part of the brain wakes up. So I asked my money, honey, what he needed from me. And his first response was he needed me to love him and stop treating him like a monster, which is reasonable and great in theory. But how does that relate to real life? So the final step was, okay, what are we going to do in real life? And I made an agreement that next time he brought me a gift, which usually looked like somebody who wanted to hire me, instead of all of my prior weirdness about charging and could they afford me? And is it, you know, am I hurting anybody by charging what I want and all that kind of stuff? Instead, I would just say thank you and let the adult opposite me make up their own mind. And mm. As, as life would happen, four people reached out to me the very next day and hired me for double what I'd ever charged before in my life. And did you set that number or did they just flat out tell you? How did? 
I just threw out a number. Okay. I had been undercharging for a really long time and I knew it. I, by the way, I was still undercharging. I'm sure. But it was stretchy for me. You know, mm-hmm. it's baby steps, incremental. I've made millions of dollars since. I charge a lot now. But I also believe that the easiest way to get paid is to charge the number that is in integrity. Undercharging can be just as repulsive as overcharging. So I, I've actually had conversations with my money honey where he'll throw out a number and I'll be like, oh my God, I can't do that. And I'll throw out a number and we'll just come up with, you know, a win-win number where money feels respected and I feel like I can breathe or maybe not, but it feels like the right number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How interesting. Um, do you have, when, when do you speak to the money, honey? And it's like, and is there a morning routine that you do? I feel like for the type of coaching that you do and the success you have, you, there has to be a morning routine that goes through every day that really sets your mind in the right place and, and, and keeps manifesting forward in the right way. It really, really helps. Uh, so I was talking earlier about how I'm not really the most naturally visual visualizing person. I'm very good at feeling things, hearing things. So a couple of, but primarily I like to start with feeling because it's less intellectual. So everybody will have their own way of doing it. A client of mine uh, goes on walks with her money, honey, every morning. Uh, I like to imagine being held by the cute guy in my imagination. And by the way, I'm happily married. I know. It's yeah. It's not a conflict. <laughs> I actually did the same process with love slayed my love monster met my husband two months okay. later where, you know, we're 25 weddings deep into getting married a hundred times in a hundred countries. Mm-hmm. I now have this theory that when you've been pushing something away for a really long time, a lot of energy just builds up to come in when you, when you no longer have the walls up. I think change happens at the speed of safety and the Mm -hmm. key is to make it safe. So I ultimately created my own journaling system that became the basis of my best-selling book, Financial Alchemy, 12 Months of Magic and Manifestation, which is a number one bestseller in all categories, mover and shaker on Amazon, United Kingdom, Canada, Germany, Italy, and France others, but, uh, because it's just like a marriage, you want to stay in communication. So you find whatever daily practice is going to work for you. Okay. I see. So I'm glad you mentioned your book. One thing that stuck out to me was it says, uh, based around 12 months of magic and manifestation. I'm a huge believer in manifestation. We just got back from our company retreat. We did four meditation exercises with my wife, um, who used to be a medium and uh, she used to do hold meditations in Boulder and stuff for manifestation. Tell us about why 12 months. What is the, is, is the idea that it's perpetual, never ends? Uh, it was my practice. I got really, really good at setting outlandish goals and having them happen first. And I, so I wanted to create the book that I would have wanted to have. Mm. Cause I have 
my house is just drowning in books, in excellent ideas that you read, that you're inspired by, and then life goes on. So I wanted something that would bring me back to making things happen, where I wouldn't forget the lessons, where I would stay on track with my money, honey, and my goal setting and my manifestation. So that's why I created the book that I have. Originally, it was for me. And then I was uh, called and offered this huge speaking gig. And I realized all I had to offer was coaching. And that's like, you know, proposing marriage on the first date. Mm -hmm. Don't. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I thought, oh dear, I need something, uh, for something else to offer. And that Mm -hmm. was the first iteration of the book back in 2006. And since then, you know, I've refined it, evolved it, finally had a book launch. And, uh, I have to say, you know, having a book, if you, if, if, it can fit into your business is really, really wonderful because you can help people without actually putting in the effort for every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like helping people while I sleep and it pre-qualifies my best clients. Like my client, Pam had her first quarter of a million month in sales before she hired me. Oh, interesting. Because of the book? Yes, using the book on her own. And when I get an application that says I had great results, that's to, that reads to me like, oh, this looks like an ideal client. And now she owns that multi-million dollar business that she used to work for as a salesperson. Amazing. Yeah. Good for her. Uh, speaking of, so that's one story. I was hoping that maybe you could share maybe one or two more of your, if you're comfortable sharing names or not, but maybe some of your favorite client success stories, you know, maybe they were like you down in the gutters, barely making any money. And then they had this giant epiphany and, and, and tr- transformation in life. Well, I have extremes because I have coached the woman on public assistance, but I've also coached many multimillionaires. And so I'm, I'm going to, I think, talk about one of the millionaires because there's the idea that anybody who doesn't have money, you know, we, we know that there are a lot of problems that will be solved when we have money. But once we have money, we realize there are a lot of other problems that show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, years back, I had a client who already had tens of millions of dollars and the challenge for her was when she became rich, all of her relationships changed. Mm. Her, her romantic partner quit his job, declared, I'm never going to work again. And then he left her and married somebody else, leaving her heartbroken. Mm. So uh, the money was getting in the way of love. It was tainting all of her friendships because suddenly she became the bank. And that's something we all fear. So it was creating a lot of reasons to get rid of it, which is very dangerous. So when I see people who are great at making money and even better at getting rid of it, or people who make money but are working themselves to death or not doing what they love, these are these are also money monsters. I remember the first time I had a client who made millions of dollars doing what he hated and then became a coach and was making 25 
$1,000 a session. Oh my gosh. You know, right, right. Now he's a multimillion dollar coach, but that's one of the ways this, this monster dynamic money is the bad guy can show up is that you can't make money doing what you love or doing good things. I, I, I believe that the truest, uh, the best relationship with money exists to give us the freedom to just focus on love and a great lifestyle and a legacy. So again, with, with my client, when we uncovered her money monster, destroyed her money monster and, and replaced it with this great, safe, loving, adoring relationship with money, immediately she set much better boundaries with all of her friends and her relationships improved. What happens when people borrow money and this was happening to her was they started, the people who borrowed money from her started resenting her because they didn't want to pay it back. They started trash talking her so they would not feel bad about not paying mm. her back. So she had to set really healthy boundaries, start saying no, get rid of the people who were no longer friends and all of her relationships up leveled. And she met a hot <laughs> Buddhist who didn't care about her money, was in love with her. And they've been together for over a decade. Very cool. Uh, right? Yeah. And that's what it's supposed to be about. Love, lifestyle, and legacy. I love that story. Uh, and thank you for sharing it on the millionaire side of things. I think that's, I mean, because I think the easy one was, you know, yeah, if you're going from broke to something. Um one, one other topic I wanted to ask you about, because I, I, I feel like somebody like you who helps people get this lifestyle, get, get, a, um, get to a point of abundance, and then the abundance of money equals freedom. I'm a huge believer in that as well. Uh, tell us about the outlook of scarcity versus abundance. I feel like there are two levels of thought in society right now, where some of us see the scarcity and everything, and some of us just see abundance and a, a, you know, a life towards that. Why do you, how, you know, why do you think there's that psychology and that dichotomy going on? Oh, that's such a good question. Scarcity is fear. Mm -hmm. And that's why money is such a juicy topic because all of our deepest underlying issues around, are we good enough? Are we deserving or worthy? Are we lovable? Because it really feels like we're not loved when the universe is saying no to us. Everybody's saying no to us. You can't. And it's unsafe to not have enough money, which, by the way, is why for some people, there's not enough money in the world, even if they're oligarchs that existential fear of being a mortal person, it becomes like a, an addiction, more money to just stuff down the feeling. Mm -hmm. So there've been some fascinating scientific studies on this. Uh, there's one that I am thinking of specifically in 2009, that the topic of money just switches our brain instantly. They did this test where they, and it can be fake money. They, they had a control group and then they had the test group, which was shown monopoly money. And then they sent an actor by who would drop a bunch of pencils and the control group that hadn't seen the fake money would respond, oh, let me help you. But the group that had seen the monopoly money were like, mm -hmm. not helpful at all. It brings up all of our fear, all yeah. of our self-protection. It cuts the topic of money cuts off our our compassion and empathy to a degree so because it it wakes up the the reptile survival me first part mm -hmm. of the brain and shuts down the relaxed expansive altruistic yeah. frontal lobe that i was talking about earlier so it's not your fault 
but it's something to be conscious of. And my goal with my work is to fuse money with love. Because if we can approach money decisions from that relaxed, expansive, self-loving, generous, kind, resourceful, creative place, we make better decisions, we are better people, and we can solve the world's problems together. I would agree with that 100%. I, I think that thought process of fear equals scarcity and uh, uh, bravery and uh, optimism and love equal abundance and solving problems. It's, it's a totally different uh, mindset. And I think it's, it's, it's obvious, it should be obvious to everybody listening that that's not the way to solve problems is to solve them when you're in fear. You need to really be in this positive abundance mindset in order to get that done. Um, and it's, it's not our circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've mentioned, I've coached millionaires, I've coached billionaires who were afraid of losing what they have. That is a very high level of poverty. Oh my so, goodness. Right? That's we, an interesting way of putting it. I've never thought about it like that before. So it's really, the outside world follows our inside world. And my goal is that no matter what's going on outside, because life is life and circumstances tend to be dramatic. That's just sort of the design of the game that we're living here is mm-hmm. circumstances will be dramatic. But if we can and just sort of take a breath, cuddle on the couch with our imaginary money, honey, and look at the circumstances through the eyes of love and set put aside the fear, we can see the opportunity in the chaos. And we can, we can know ourselves as bigger then whatever is going on and we'll make better choices and get better results. Yeah. Uh, I bet you'll be surprised. So I didn't even think about having a money honey until we had this conversation, but I I didn't even think of, I didn't think of either framing an enemy or not an enemy, but uh, however you want to say it, like the antithesis of a, of a money money monster, the money monster. Sorry. Yes. Uh, The money monster would actually be my dad and my mom who made me feel very guilty growing up about money. Um, and now my money, honey, is Kanye West because one of the fe- one of the best things that he's the best phrase that I carry through my whole life is uh, having money isn't everything, but not having it is. And it's not that I'm cuddling with Kanye, but I'm certainly riding around in my suburban listening to Kanye West and getting that positive, positive attitude about like I need to get up, I need to grind in a good way, and if I'm successful, other people are going to be successful, and there's going to be abundance. Like. Yes, it costs. Yes, it costs money to start a business, and, and you have to you have to spend money to make money. But like it's all that no scarcity mindset is is the biggest thing that I'm taking away from this. Ordinarily, I recommend that your monster not be your parents because mm-hmm. I didn't really walk you through the six steps. Mm-hmm. The first step is uncover the root cause. The second step is to personify it as your monster. And the third step is to annihilate and destroy the monster. And since you're not <laughs> going to kill your parents, yeah, let's metaphorically. not. Right. I would make the monster bigger than your parents, but use your parents to hurt them, hurt you, hurt your children if you have children. 
because we want to be able to fully eradicate this, this like everything that you don't want to exist in your life. You want to put it in the monster and blow it up. Uh, Kanye West is an excellent beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, but I do find that a lover is the best archetype because you're equals. Okay. It's not Kanye up here and Lance down here. Uh-huh. It's, it's, you can break your money, honey's heart. Oh, so, okay. Now, but that brings up the problem for every person in a relationship, including myself. It's like, but I've got this beautiful human honey. And the good news is, is that your imaginary money honey doesn't have a body. Okay. But your human honey does. And that kind of happy, loving, erotic energy can be very nice for the human honey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know. Well, I'll have to look into it further then. I agree with you. Maybe it's a good starting point on both, but they probably shouldn't go that way. But I was just reacting uh, to what you were saying. So it was, I, it was, at it the was end a of fun the day, exercise. At the end of the day, look, do whatever works for you, right? You know, I'm here to help the people who, who come to me and I've noticed certain things work better than other things. But who am I ever, ever, ever to argue with whatever works for you? Uh, Morgana, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, you, what you do is so interesting. And like I said, from the, from the get go, you have this amazing, positive golden energy about you. Um, one question I like to ask everybody before we kind of sign off is knowing what you know now, and if you can go back in time when you first started your career of helping out people, what is one piece of advice you give yourself? Um, I don't know that I could have skipped all the steps that I took to get where I got, like, mm-hmm. I would love to just say, know your value, charge more. Uh, but I think I had to get there on the inside. Um, I guess uh, I was raised by lawyers and rocket scientists. So I have that very sort of Newtonian mm-hmm. side that X plus Y equals Z. Uh, and in my experience, I would say 98% of my results was that part that is the part that isn't part of the equation. It's that, that inner stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess I would say to myself, it's going to be okay. And it's going to be way better than you ever imagined. And you just have to keep going. Yeah. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Uh, thanks again, Morgana. Where can people find and follow you if they want to learn more and pick up your book? Oh, go to MorganaRay.com. It's easy. Just go with the name in front of you. Make it one word, added.com. You can find my book there. You can find my money love quiz to see where you are in your journey. And I will send you advice based on where you are because we're all somewhere on that road to full focus on love, lifestyle, and legacy. Uh, and just hundreds of articles and videos and resources on my blog. Uh, but the book is really the best place to start for kind of a curated guidance for how to achieve these results for yourself. Beautiful. Okay. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you.